I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, attacks against transgender youth play out at a track meet in California. Last week, my colleague, Chronicle sports writer Marissa Njemi, traveled to Clovis in the Central Valley for the state high school track and field championship. She went there after monitoring days of backlash, much of it online and in conservative media outlets, from people who are opposed to transgender girls competing in girls' sports. These people said that two trans girls, one from the Bay Area, one from Los Angeles, had qualified for the state meet in the 1,600-meter run. And they claimed this was unfair. Even though the rules set out by the governing body for high school sports, the California Interscholastic Federation, are clear. According to the CIF, quote, California law permits students to participate in sex-segregated school programs and activities, including athletic teams and competitions, and use facilities consistent with his or her gender identity, irrespective of the gender listed on the pupil's record. Caught in the middle of all of this were the two girls, who were long shots in the race, but in the end decided not to participate. Marissa and Jemmy is my guest. Marissa, let's start with some background. Who are the two girls at the center of this story? And what were they facing going into last week's CIF Track and Field Championship? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Athena Ryan, a girls track runner for Sonoma Academy, a small school up in uh, Santa Rosa. She came in second place in the meet of champions in the North County, I believe it was. Qualifying meet. Yeah, the qualifying meet to make it to the to Clovis to the championship. A lot of people were not happy about that. And then you have Lorelai Barrett. She was um, expected to be there as well in, in the heat before Athena's, but both of them faced just horrific attacks online throughout the entire week just for running, just for participating in their sport. And at the end, both of them felt unsafe participating in the championship. So neither of them showed. And that's kind of where we're at now. You mentioned horrific attacks. I mean, give us just some flavor. You and I both noticed it. I mean, what were we seeing directed at these two girls? Yeah, just traditional online transphobia. A lot of these groups end up having these names that sound like anti-misogyny, women are real, things like that. Statements that try to sound like hyper-feminist, but end up being real transphobic dog whistles. And these groups were at the qualifying race for the northern region of the bracket. They had banners, they had signs, they had tweets, videos. In these type of groups, they've been actually deemed hate groups by the human rights campaign because of just what they've done to trans women, trans girls, especially in sports, just making them feel unwelcomed, scared. There's a lot of threats. It's really horrible stuff to be directed at anyone, especially at children, children we know nothing about really at the end of the day. And you have adults, men and women, people on all sides, all spectrums, just targeting because of this one issue of trans girls participating in sports. And to be clear, they were not acknowledging them even as girls. No, no, there's a lot of misgendering going on. It's really terrible. And you see some of these conservative outlets as well will talk about like, oh, these boys and girls races. Well, that's not accurate. (laughs) These are girls, regardless of biology or anything that people want to talk about. Like, they're girls in a girls race and people are mad about it. And the arguments always goes back to fairness. And if it's fair because of biological advantages men or boys might have over girls or women in sports. But a lot of that doesn't acknowledge inherent unfairness of sport. You have people who have socioeconomical advantages. You have people who are taller, who are stronger. Gender does not play as big of a role as a lot of these groups want to make it out to be for fairness. And we don't see them picketing for 
unfair conditions for girls' sports and Title IX violations all over the place. So it really comes off as just a transphobic dog whistle. Well, let's let's talk about that for a second, because this is the first time, Marissa, that we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. This has not been a huge issue in California yeah. where girls are advancing to the state track meet. It's it's a somewhat unique thing. I mean, is there any studies, is there evidence to support that trans girls are dominating high school sports? No, it doesn't really happen. Um, you can count on one hand how many cases there have been of trans girls in sports in the media. Um, we have the Leah Thomas situation at Penn, who's a trans woman swimmer who came under fire, but she's like one of the very few. In my research, I've not been able to find a single trans girl out of high school who was offered scholarship. Any athletes have transitioned while in college who have participated from what I've been able to find. And even then, there's it, there's just so few cases. It's like less than 1% of athletes in, in, in any capacity here. Um, so it, it's really not a thing. Uh, We've seen some states literally create these trans participation bans for youth sports that have literally one athlete that they're targeting. California obviously is a lot more progressive than a lot of these states and allows trans participants. And even then, it's taken until this year for us really to see anyone. And I think it's a positive that there are trans youth that feel like they can participate because a lot of the times They won't even bother coming out while they're in high school, while they're doing sports, out of fear that they won't be accepted or that they'll be kicked off their team. It's really sad that these girls felt comfortable enough to come out and be able to participate under their gender and then were too scared to go because of threats. Like, that's horrible. One more question. I want to get to your experience at the track meet. But there is a weighing of interests here, right, Mm -hmm. between competition and inclusion. Yes, Yeah, it's an interesting balance because, like I said, if we cared about fairness at the end of the day, there'd be a lot of other things for women and girls in sports. Like Title IX exists because no one wanted to be fair to women and girls participating. And and we still see Title IX violations, especially in high school, routinely. We see budget gaps. We see all these things. But it's only when trans athletes participate, usually only one or two or, again, very, very few numbers. All of a sudden, people care about protecting girls' sports or whatever, but that energy is not carried into almost any other issue around women's and girls' sports. So when I hear people talk about the fairness issue, sure, that's something, I mean, I think Erin on The Chronicle as well, she did a really great story kind of looking at how the science is really murky, and it is. There really aren't enough studies for us to know, like, the hormonal differences, because also, like, cisgender women also have hormonal differences, too. Like, you, you you can have cis women who have a higher testosterone amount than a trans woman or a man or whatever we're talking about when it comes to gender. And also when we talk about gender participation, it, it's still so binary. We're still talking about trans women, trans men, men and women. There aren't room for other genders or non-binary people. These conversations are still so limited when we talk about fairness and inclusion. The inclusion is even close to being acceptable at this point in time for anyone on a gender spectrum that isn't cis. So when we talk about fairness, I don't know, because like it, it just, again, there, there would be so many more things that women and girls and other genders in sports would be getting if we cared about that. But also, I mean, advocates that you've spoken mm-hmm. to have said that even in a situation perhaps where there might be an advantage in high school, theoretically, yeah. there's an inclusion factor that these advocates would like to see these girls participate anyway because of the greater benefit. Right. Like at the end of the day, like trans women are women and trans girls are girls. So if a trans girl wins a girl's race, like, okay, a girl won the race. When you look at like the issue of 
the trans people in this country are facing right now, it's been to be eradicated from public life. You look at the don't say gay laws. You look at what's happening in Florida. You look at all this stuff, the drag bans. All of it has been to eliminate trans people from public life. If a trans girl winning a race is the worst thing that comes out of all of this, then, like, I'd rather that happen than what we're seeing happen with trans people literally in danger. Like, I'd rather this girl have won this race than her being too scared to partake in one of her very few high school years. It's not the Super Bowl. It's high school sports. Again, like, it's murky if there even is an advantage. All right, let's stop there. We're going to take a quick break on Fifth and Mission. When we come back, more with Marissa and Jemmy of The Chronicle. We'll be right back. Did you know the number one way people discover new podcasts is word of mouth from their friends? So if you enjoy Fifth Emission, we'd love it if you tell someone about our show, even if it's just one person. Thanks for helping us make new friends. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bolwa, joined by Marissa and Jemmy. We're talking about two girls who advanced to the state track and field championship last week, but did not actually participate after backlash from people who said that they should not have competed because they were transgender. Marissa, you decided to go to the state meet down in Clovis. That's near Fresno. Tell me, why did you go? Yeah, we just kind of wanted to set the scene of what it was like there. There were a lot of protests at the Meet of Champions in the North and South section. So we kind of wanted to get a vibe of is what's kind of the pulse? How are people feeling about this? Are these girls okay after just like a horrible week for them? So we just really kind of wanted to set the scene of what does it look like for trans athletes in California right now? You had raised security issues as well. Yeah, I had asked about security. Originally, the CIF said it was going to be the same as it was for a 1,400-person event. And then later on, they said they would add security. So you get down to Clovis. What does it look like? What does it feel like? And I imagine you are also mindful of of watching these girls race. Yeah, early on, we were looking. We couldn't find them. It was about a billion degrees there. It was hot. You just saw a lot of parents wanting to support their kids. It really just felt like any other high school event. Like, it was not dramatic. The world didn't end. It, it really didn't seem anything out of the ordinary on first glance. But then you noticed that the girls were scratched. Yeah, I was down on the field right by the tunnel when they're going down before the 1600. In the first heat, Lorelai was running and so was Adeline and neither of them were there. And then the second heat, Athena wasn't there. And the scoreboard showed DNS. I asked what that meant. The CIA officials told me it did not show. So they were never there. Like the race happened. No one really seemed to notice it. Anything at all, there wasn't really much of a reaction. On the second day, there was an attempt to bring a banner, said protect girls sports or protect girls track, and no one was really there to see it anyways, so that was a choice. But yeah, for the most part, like, if you didn't know about the story going in, it really just seemed kind of chill. And what have the girls and their families said, if anything, about the decision not to compete? Yeah, they've all chosen not to comment or not to respond, so um, they've asked for privacy during this. Marissa, as you reported, a third girl from Marin County was also caught up in all of this, also scratched from the race. At the qualifying meet, Adeline Johnson was shown in photographs giving a thumbs down sign, and it was interpreted by conservative commentators as saying, this isn't okay that I was beaten by a transgender girl. But that didn't turn out to be true, right? Yeah, I know when I asked at Branton School about it, they said that was directed at her mom for her own performance because Adeline's finished first in a lot of races and she finished in fourth because the third place girl originally was going to go and then she pulled out to go to the 3200. So Adeline had a chance to participate and ended up 
not going and disclosed that gesture that a lot of outlets kind of latched onto from her to be anti-trans was had nothing to do with it. We don't know if Adeline even knows Athena or if they know each other's respective gender identity. We have no idea about that. But we see, again, these anti-trans groups so looking for any sign that people agree with them because it will normalize, especially having a child angry at trans people, that a lot of the anti-trans, anti-queer laws occurring right now are really highlighting, like, quote-unquote grooming or going after children or whatever. So they could get a child to be mad at trans people too. Like, oh, that's perfect. It was just kind of an example of these online attacks and misinformation and how they kind of go every which way in order to just be hateful. And what did the CIF say after these girls pulled out of the race? Yeah, the CIF, in a statement afterwards, we emailed them and they said that they were disappointed that they had to pull out because they were worried for their safety. They're against discrimination. They comply with the California law and all that about trans participation and just gender inclusivity. So um, from their public reaction, they were not happy that this happened. They had no further comment about the protesters or anything like that. But yeah, I think that this has not been a great week for them. Okay, so we can't hear from these girls, but Marissa, you did speak to Skylar Baylor, a trans man who competed on Harvard's swim team for four years. What did he say about how these kinds of protests and online hate impact young transgender athletes? Yeah, Skylar was very concerned about this, and he's kind of faced the other end of the spectrum transitioning as a man, and Harvard was accepting of him. He was originally had a scholarship on a women's team, moved to the men's team, so he's kind of seen all of this, and he told me that He's spoken to trans kids, trans youth, teenagers who are afraid to participate in sports at all because a lot of the time, especially in states that are less progressive, they have to choose between competing or getting to identify as who they are. They either have to stay in the closet or not come out or not be themselves fully if they want to participate in sports. And for a lot of people, that's just a non-starter. So if anything, trans people in sports are underrepresented because of that fear. So Skylar's talked about that and his advocacy in general. And a lot of trans athletes have been quick to to point out that if it weren't for these laws, you'd have better participation numbers across the board. Like this harm cisgender girls and women as well, because when you're gender policing, you can just pick whatever you want to say, well, that's not a girl because she's too good or she's too broad shouldered or whatever. You can make up whatever you want because gender isn't binary. And that's, I think, the kind of the concern for trans and cis athletes alike. So, Marissa, all of this seems to feed into kind of a central tension, which is something that experts and advocates have told you. It's okay if a transgender girl competes as long as she doesn't win. I think a lot of people don't want trans people in public life at all. But yeah, definitely when success happens, it's considered worse because you're, quote unquote, taking a position away from a real or a cisgender girl, which is obviously really harmful rhetoric because that identifies trans women and girls as not real women and girls. But that's the goal. That The whole point is um, diminishing trans reality. The more trans women and girls succeed at sports, it, it's almost like they get punished for it. And that's so dangerous because a big argument you'll see on social media is like, well, where are the trans men? Where are the trans boys? Why aren't they succeeding? Oh, they are. They exist in sports, too. But then that would go against the idea that biological women, quote unquote, are inferior to biological men because this whole issue really just um, amplifies misogyny as well because it, it projects the idea that cis girls can't compete with cis boys or whatever, which especially at younger ages is scientifically not true. 
it's one of those arguments where they're going to keep moving the goalposts forever. There isn't a way to win a reasonable argument when people just want to be unreasonable. They want to be hateful. That's the point. Um, they want to eradicate trans people from life. And sports are a very public part of life. So as long as trans women and girls continue to exist in sports, it's never going to be okay for them. Marissa and Jemmy, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks to my guest today. She's Chronicle sports writer Marissa and Jemmy. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. <laughs>